And the title of my message this morning is God is working in you. Look at your neighbor and say, God is working in you. I know we have good social distancing. Look at them again and say, God's working in you. If you are sitting with somebody at home, just look at them and say, God's working in you with all the social distancing. Tell them, God is working in you. But I wanted to say it again. God is working in me. Amen. In Philippians 2 verse 12, Paul says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Now, we've read in the middle of a, para, of a, a chapter, and we even started reading by the word, therefore, okay? So you already know that we, we sort of started reading in the middle of the story. So let me just briefly go back and give you the background so that you understand where the word wherefore or where the word therefore is therefore, okay? So we want to do that. Paul, when he starts in the book of Philippians, he is commending and exhorting the Christians in Philippi for how they had walked their walk as God's children. He's so excited that they have lived obedient lives and they have handled themselves well as citizens of heaven. And he says to them, what I like about you is that not only did you obey the teachings of the word when I was with you, but even in my absence, you have obeyed the teachings of the word. And he says, I'm really proud of you, Philippians, and now I'm exhorting you to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He had told them about being citizens of heaven. He had explained to them about what God had begun to do in their lives. And his greatest desire, as you see in his prayers in Philippians chapter 1, he wants these people to walk in the fullness of the knowledge of God and to walk in full maturity. But then he says they must then work out their own salvation. Now note, how, what does it mean to work out your own salvation? Paul is not saying that these Christians must work for salvation. He's not saying they must do certain things to be able to get salvation because these Christians had already been saved. We know what the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for by grace are we saved through faith and that not of ourselves; it is the gift of God. Paul already knew that these people are born again. So what does he mean when he says they must work out their salvation? Well, the word work out is a very, very interesting word that we find. Literally, it means to carry something to its ultimate conclusion. That's what it means. To carry something to its ultimate conclusion. So Paul is giving them a hint that for them to come into the fullness of who they are in Christ, there's going to be a responsibility on their side. So he says they have to carry out something to its ultimate goal, carry it to its ultimate conclusion. 
Paul seems to be suggesting that when these Philippian Christians became born again, God did something in their hearts, changed them, made them to be his children. There's no questions about that. But for them to come to the fullness of who they are in Christ, there is a responsibility on their side. Can I hear an amen? He is saying to them, they've got to come and work out their salvation, carry it to the conclusion of being Christ-like. In other words, in the same way we know that when we buy cars, sometimes you buy a car that they call it entry-level car. It's a complete car. It's got wheels, it's got an engine, it functions like a car, but there are certain features that it doesn't have as yet. It's a car. No questions about that. Except that it may not have certain features like it may not be able to have the auto cruiser. So, you know, you can't set it on auto cruise. Maybe it doesn't have a, a, a something that shows you the direction. Can I leave it What's that direction? Yeah? Yeah? Navigator. That's why you needed to be here to remind me of the navigator. So it doesn't have a navigator. Mariona is a complete car. So what Paul is saying to us is that we are born again. There's no questions about that. But for us to walk in the fullness of our calling, we need to apply a certain effort. We need to work out our own salvation. Now, in mathematics, and as you young people say in math, huh, when, when the teacher uh, lectures to you, they oftentimes give you certain exercises. And in these exercises, you have to go and work out an answer. So... Usually, they give you a certain formula, and in math, as you know, you always work from the known to the unknown. So when the teacher says, go and work out the solution, the assumption is that there is a basic formula that you're already working on. You are not working out something based on zero or based on nothing. It already assumes that there are certain things that are given to you that you already know, so you take what you know and come to the conclusion to find out what you don't know. So you are not starting on a zero, you are starting with something. That's what Paul is saying. Work out your own salvation. What he's saying is this. However, for you to walk in the fullness of your calling and to be able to function in the fullness of what God has called you to do, there's an effort on your side that you need to do. Can I hear an amen? amen. See, God already has chosen us. John 15, 16, the Bible says, Jesus says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. But then he says, but I have also ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. So what Paul is saying is that bring forth fruit that show get to a point where you maximize in your potential to show that the hand of God is upon you. Watch what he says. He says there in verse 12, work out your own salvation. In other words, don't be looking over the fence and wondering why the other person is not operating in the fullness of their calling. Eh? Mind your own business. Work out your own salvation. In other words, he's saying, take personal responsibility for your own growth, for your own development. But then he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
This is not a fear of terror, but it's a fear of a wholesome caution, a fear of self-distrust. It's that kind of fear that makes us depend on God, so we need to work out our salvation, which means this. As I work out my salvation, I am sensitive to the promptings of the Spirit, for Paul says it is God who is working in you. It is God who is working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. What is he saying? He's saying, just like when you see a child begin to walk as a parent, and they are taking those first few steps, and they are stumbling, and you stand there as a parent, prompting them to take the next step. And Nana keeps going to you, and by you prompting Nana to walk, Nana keeps walking and they keep getting stronger each step they take. Paul is saying, God is doing that. He is prompting you to come into the fullness of who you are, the fullness of your gift. And how is he prompting you? He is working on the inside of you in two ways both to will and to do of his good pleasure. In other words, how God is working in you is in two ways. Number one, he gives you the willingness, the desire to achieve certain things in your walk with God. God gives you the desire to be able to want to pray more, to want to evangelize more, to want to reach out to people, to want to do certain things. You, you think it's you who's having that desire. In the meantime, it is God who is working in you. See, once we start following God, God begins to prompt us in our spirits to desire certain things. You think it's you who is desiring it. In the meantime, it is God who has planted the desire. He says, it is God who is working in you both to will, number one, and to do, number two. In other words, not only does God give you the desire to evangelize, as you go out and evangelize, God empowers you with the ability to be effective in your evangelism. Oh, you missed a good place to say amen. In other words, God put a desire in you, when you go out to follow that desire, at the same time, God empowers you for the fulfillment of the desire. It kind of reminds me of what the book of Psalms says, you know. It's a beautiful verse when it says, when it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So God works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The Weymouth translation says, for it is God himself whose power creates within you the desire to do his gracious will and also brings about the accomplishment of the desire. You know, one of the things I learned in my journey of serving God is that I remember as a young man in our church and attending Sunday school, and you've heard me tell the story, as an 11-year-old child, I was very concerned that our Sunday school at the United Reformed Church, things were not going well, you know, because in our Sunday school, we had teachers who were not stable, you know. They would teach for a while, and then they would disappear for several months. And many times as children, we would faithfully go to Sunday school and sit there waiting for the teacher, and the teacher would never show up. And I remember one day as an 11-year-old, I got up 
to teach the children when I was a children myself. And I remember standing up, teaching the children. And as I taught the children, I was surprised, Barcelona, at how God enabled me over the years. Our Sunday school grew because we had dwindled to about three children or four children. I don't even remember how many we were. But as I stood up to teach, the Sunday school's numbers kept going up and more children kept coming back, coming back in larger numbers. I mean, in our church, if you had a Sunday school of 20 children, it was a mega Sunday school. It was a big old Sunday school. But you know, by the grace of God, when I was leading the children, being a children myself, our Sunday school grew to 150, 200 children. It was a mega Sunday school, eh? Super mega Sunday school. I remember a few years ago, I was praying. It was a time like this one, reflecting on the journey, thankful to God, and I was saying, Father, I thank you so much for having helped me to be a pastor for so many years. And God just stopped me, says, when are you only counting from the time you started in the ministry like I did now? He says, what you don't see is that I started you when you were 11 years old. I said, God, what are you talking about? He says, you always tell people that you were concerned when you saw the teachers not coming and you stood up to go and teach the children when you were the chil a children yourself. I know that's not good English, but you want to teach the children when you're children. He says, you see, what I was doing as an 11-year-old, I was working in you. It is God who is working in you. So as I got up to teach the children, I thought it's me who's concerned. In the meantime, it is God who was working in me. And as I got up to teach the children, God anointed me with the ability to be able to teach the children. I used to run a Sunday school of children. We had children from, from six years old, and they would sit in the same class with teenagers of 15 years old. Now you tell me how you do that. I still don't know how we do that. The same with you. When God begins to work on the inside of you and puts inside of you a desire to minister to homeless people, a desire to give people food parcels, a desire to show compassion. Oh, am, am I, do I hear an amen in the house? When God gives you the desire, you may think it's you, but in the meantime, it is God who is working in you, Murutis Manga. It's God working in you. Both to will, gives you the desire, the willingness, and to do, he empowers you to do his good pleasure. Can I hear an amen? amen. The, the Bible in basic English says, for it is God who is the cause of your desires and your acts for his good pleasure. Many people don't understand how God begins to use you for his kingdom it is not in supernatural and spectacular ways. God always starts in ways that are not, you know, bling, bling ways. They are so normal and natural that it's so easy for us to miss it. Kenneth Hagin says, sometimes we look for the spectacular and in the meantime, we miss the miraculous. And I want to show you ways in which God is working in you Things that you can recognize when this begins to happen, it means God is working in me. 
And if you can be able to find, know these seven things that I'm going to give to you, you'll be able to know the area where God wants to use you, how God wants to use you, how God wants to move you forward, how God wants to work in your life, and how God wants to place you in the right place. That as you begin to function in that right place, the power of God is upon your life. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Are you ready to write the seven points? Seven points as we go. Number one, point number one. Know what is the real desire of your heart. That's point number one. Know what is the real desire of your heart. In other words, what is it that you really desire to give your life to? I'm not talking about the desire in your heart like Ukhaletsukota or Banichao. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. But really, when you look at your life, what is it really, really, really that you desire to do with your life? I know throughout my life, my biggest desire was to be a school teacher or to be an engineer, like you were all teasing me during the week. God bless you, all of you, during the prayer time at 5 o'clock. You know, you called me all kinds of names. They started by professor, then they said then I'm an engineer, and then they ended calling me a mechanic. God bless them. I won't, I won't say anything. But what is the real desire of your heart? I know I wanted to be a school teacher all my life. That's what I wanted to be. But you know, it's interesting. The only teaching I knew was the school teaching. I didn't know that you can teach in church. I can hear that surprising you. So that's why we say muruti. Because we muruti usaruti. Are you here, Masalana? So it means those desires, some of you, those desires you had as a child, didn't they right? Didn't they right? Those things as a child, you really wanted to be that. It may not have been fully formed, you know. It may be affected by your childhood understanding. But I wanted to be a teacher all my life. And, and here I am, by the grace of God, rooting teaching <laughs> by the grace of God. But what is the real desire of your heart? I'm not talking about something that you've been influenced by other people. That's Psalms 37 verse 4 as we said. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Number two, what is it that stirs your passion? What is it that stirs your passion? What is it that you really feel strongly about? When you look at it, it really fires you up. I mean, it's something that you want to do. I mean, you, 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 you become hot under the collar. You want to give yourself to it. You know, when you look at Moses, Moses was so stirred up when he saw injustice. He didn't like seeing injustice. When he saw his countrymen, his brothers and sisters being abused in Egypt, he stood up to do something. Sometimes it concerns me when people have to be pushed and forced to do things and threatened. If in your job, that's how you feel, you're in the wrong place. Thank you for those nice amens that are half-hearted. Sometimes I think people are misplaced. They are in a space and they are doing something that they are not passionate about. When you're passionate about something, Bazalana, nobody has to encourage you. In fact, let me go further. Nobody has to pay you. By showing passion. You feed off what you are doing. You love it. It's one of those things when you are doing it. Because 
What is your passion? What is your passion? John 2, 17 talks about how when Jesus threw the people out of the temple, his disciples marveled and they remembered what was written about him, that the zeal of your house has consumed me. Number three, what is it that flows naturally with your gifts and your talent? Usually when God calls you in line with that which is your gifting, your talent, your calling, your gifting will always be complementary with that. All right? What is it that flows naturally with your gifts and your talent? Some of you are just naturally administrative people. You know? Some of you, you are just analytical people. You are people of Rebabitang, uh, or people of standard. Every time you walk into something, you are already looking at what they could have done better. Some of you, you are leadership people. Even if you are not chosen, you find yourself leading. It's just natural for you. Some of you are natural singers. Some of you, you go to school to learn to sing, and when you come, hey. <laughs> Even if you don't certificate, yeah, ne. But what is it that flows? Because there's a reason why God has wired you the way he has wired you. Are you there, Bazalanane? Are you there, Bazalanane? I know throughout my life I've always been a leader. You know, it was me, which came. I wasn't the strongest. I wasn't the biggest. I wasn't the most whatever. But I was always leading. And I only realized when I thought about it, yeah, I was leading. I was always leading. Even at school, I would lead. Wherever I would lead. Wherever God lead. But you see, this is something that comes from God, Bazalan. Are you there, Bazalan? So what is it that flows naturally with your gifts and your talents? You know, it's very sad to, to find people who are misplaced in their gifting. Somebody else has been in Arikaho to lead us in music. Somebody who doesn't have patience with people working at an industry where they have to deal with people. They are there, uh, you know, in the front desk of a company. Keep on now at the reception, they are the first people to meet. Just when you look at them. <laughs> Number three, seek counsel from mature Christian friends and leaders. In other words, in your area of calling, there are Christian leaders who, as watching you, they more or less know which way you are inclined. Sometimes it's very sad when we tell people, you know, you are not suited for that. They give you that look like, ah, unechela singam. But you know, you need to seek counsel. Number five. Five. Let me go over it again, just for you. What's the real desire of your heart? Number two, know what stirs your passion. Number three, know what flows naturally. Number four, seek counsel from Christian leaders. That was number four, right? All right. Number five, listen to the witness of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit witnessing in your heart? Because the Holy Spirit will witness. If you go along the path that's God's call for you, the Holy Spirit will always witness in your heart. Number six, what is it that you can give yourself to a hundred percent? See, if you are called for something, you will give yourself to it a hundred percent. You will not be half-hearted. You will really go over all the way to give yourself. What is it? 1 John 3, 16 tells us about how Jesus laid down his life for the brethren. We need to, what is it that you can really lay down your life for? And number seven, what is it that when you do produces good results? In Matthew 12, 33, Jesus says, a tree is known by its fruit. 
See, we, we, we're going into summertime now, you know. As you can see, springtime right now. And the trees are already blossoming, and you can see. And probably before the end of the year, sometime, maybe even into the early part of the year, we're going to be getting fruit from these trees. Okay? Now, in a few months' time, you'll be able to look at one of the trees and say, that's a peach tree. And the reason you'll say that is because you see peaches on it. Right? And it will be you who calls it a peach tree. It's not the tree that came to you and said, yeah, wanna." In other words, the tree I forestalled. It is you who calls the tree by the name. You are, a, you are a peach tree because I see peaches on you. Unfortunately, today we have people who desire to be what God never made them to be in the first place. They heap up titles and all kinds of funny things on them. This one is not a peach tree. What is it that produces good results in your life? When you do it, it produces good results. God is working in you. And if you can use these six steps, God will be able to use you to the glory of his name. See, God doesn't work in spectacular ways. He works in ordinary, regular Everyday ways that every one of us, every one of us watching, everybody, we can be used to the glory of God. But it starts with you knowing Christ as Savior and Lord. And I want to ask of you, if you're watching this program right now, I want to call on you. If you want to invite Christ in your life, I want to call on you right where you are to invite him to come into your life, to be the Savior and the Lord. It starts with Jesus being Savior and Lord of your life. So right where you are, if you want to invite Christ in your life, I want to pray with you. Just join us as we pray together. Join us in this prayer and pray with us. Let us pray together. Everybody pray with us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I invite Jesus to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. And for coming into my heart and for making me a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer, I want to ask you, find a church, after lockdown, of course, that you can join and be a part of. And connect with other believers so that you can grow in the things of God. In the same spirit, I want to pray for those of you who have different needs uh, you may be sick in your body. Some of you are going through a very difficult time. Even our nation right now, as we said, we are really not yet out of the woods. I want you to join with us right now as we pray together, please. Let us pray. Just close your eyes and join with us. Father, I pray for these, your children, right where they are. I pray for healing, soundness, wholeness. We also pray for our nation, Father, that you bless our nation that your hand rests upon our nation, that we, you'll help us to come through this difficult time. We pray for our leaders, that you bless them, use them to the glory of your name, in Jesus' name.